That was a good teaser, actually, in your prayer, is that we submit and we obey our leaders because first we obey Jesus Christ, that we, we obey God above all others. Um, so as we jump into this, I'll invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews 13. And um, we will begin in verse 17. The title of my sermon today is, Jesus is better than your elders, obey them anyway. So that's a little bit of a joke, a little bit of sarcasm, um, because I have the dubious privilege of standing here as the only elder who is present in attendance today, and I have the job of explaining to you why you ought to submit and obey the elders. So uh, pray for me as, as, I, uh, as I do this. The title again, Jesus is better than your elders, obey them anyway. And so as we get into this, uh, we've been coming through, as you know, the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. And so we've learned about how Jesus is better than the Old Testament law. We know that Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrifices, better than the Levitical priests, better than Melchizedek. Jesus is better than everything. He is certainly over all of us. He is, he's the better father. He's the better pastor. Jesus is supreme. And now the writer, as he comes toward the close in verse 13, is, begins shifting towards some very practical application of this truth. And the, the, the top of uh, chapter 13, the heading is sacrifices pleasing to God. Or another way you could say it is how to live a life pleasing to God. And so today... If you prefer sermons uh, centered around application by God's grace, maybe uh, I can help deliver something that, that you would enjoy. So again, the writer moves from the exhortation, the anchor, the anchor truth of Hebrews that Jesus is better than everything, and then he turns a corner and gets into, okay, how then should, should we li live? And he talks about in, earlier in the chapter showing hospitality, honor marriage, uh, remember your leaders, don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings. And now in, in verse 17, um, he almost doubled, doubles down on the issue of honoring leaders. Uh, so, again, these are not. So, uh, if you would stand now as we read God's word, uh, Hebrews 13 beginning in verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you, all, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. This is the word of the Lord. 
Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, it is all profitable for teaching and reproof. So God, we invite you today to speak to us, to encourage us, to correct us. And Lord, as the preacher today, God, I ask that you would, uh, that you would guide my words, that Lord, you would restrict anything I might say that wouldn't honor you, anything that wouldn't be true. And Lord, that you would bring your truth, Lord, the blessing of your word to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, a couple of things. Obey and submit to the elders. All right. Well, that about sums it up. Just kidding. So, we need to understand there's a couple of basic assumptions. I hope you're taking notes today. I'm going to try to give you some good information. There's a couple of basic assumptions that the writer is starting with. Number one, he's starting with that God has established a hierarchy of leadership. That's a basic fundamental assumption that the writer is beginning with. God established the hierarchy of leadership. Just as Stephen prayed earlier, this isn't man-made, it's God-made. Number two, God is at the top of the hierarchy. Number three, Leadership is good. Number four, bad leaders are bad. And number five, all leaders are accountable to God for the way that they lead. So we're starting from that premise. Most importantly, that God is at the top of the the hierarchy. So to understand that a little bit as we think about, there are many stages of leaders under which we all live and serve. There, there are, so I'm a father and a husband, and so God has established me as the leader of my home, and then everything else, everyone else, comes underneath me. God established that. That was not my idea. Now, what happens if Ethan and Owen, I, I leave them one day, I say, hey, boys, um, I'm going to be gone for the day. I need you to get a couple things done. I want each of you to clean your rooms. And by the way, stay off technology. No computers, no devices, and I'll see you at 6 o'clock. And I leave, and I, and I say, Ethan, you're in charge, which he loves. And all of his brothers and sisters love more. But uh, so, so I leave, and then Ethan says, hey, Owen, uh, you need to clean my room. And Owen's like, well, that, that's not what Papa said. He said, we each need to clean our room. And Ethan's like, well, I'm in charge. Didn't you hear that part? Well, he's right. I did leave him in charge, but Owen has every right to appeal to the higher authority. And so he is under no obligation to obey Ethan if Ethan's instructions violate mine. So as you think about this godly structure of leadership, this God-ordained structure of leadership, whether it's within the church, whether it's at your work, whether it's within your family, whether it's the government, either one, God's at the top of the chain, and every person, regardless of where you fall in the hierarchy, every person has the right to appeal to the next higher authority. Does that make sense? 
Owen is not under any obligation to obey Ethan, even though Ethan was left in charge, if Ethan's instructions violate my instructions. So God's at the top, and then he establishes others underneath there. It's from God. It's God's idea, and we don't have the right to change it. We have no basis to do that. God has established that structure, and that structure is under attack. We'll talk a little bit more about that attack. But first, let's get into, uh, let's, let's just understand God's view. Let's, let's look at some scripture to help us understand what God thinks about leadership and authority. Go ahead and write these verses down. I'm going to shoot through them pretty quickly. You don't need to flip through them, but 1 Timothy 5, 17. It says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. That's 1 Timothy 5, 17. So in God's word, we see a certain honor that is appropriate to be given to elders who rule well, especially those who preach and teach. So there's a certain significance that is added to a good leading elder if he teaches and preaches, but the word of God says it, that that person is worthy of double honor. In Exodus 20, 12, you all know this one, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the very most, the very simplest, most foundational leadership structure is inside the family. Children, obey your father and mother. In Romans 1, we see Paul's commentary on the importance of obeying parents as Romans 1 uh, describes the degradation of society that is rejecting God. And he puts disobedient to parents in with uh, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Do you think God takes obedience to parents seriously? That's where people learn obedience to authority, is in the home. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. Now, this is hardcore. We don't do things this way anymore. But listen to how it was done in the Old Testament. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline, he will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders and, and of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Again, that was Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. We don't do it that way anymore. But what if we did? Like, what if that really happened today? We might be better off. I didn't say we were. Don't twist my words. But we might be better off. Can you imagine if children being raised up knew that their disobedience could result in them being stoned by the men of the city? Imagine. 
Now, this is an extreme case. This is not somebody who just popped off one time. This is someone who is completely out of control. But think about the fact that what, what they've identified is this is a man who is out of control within the home. What are the chances he's going to go out into society, into work, into the general public, and be any better? He's not going to be. And we've seen that play out in our society over and over again. Again, I'm not suggesting we do this, but uh, we might be better off as a society if that, if that was how we operated today. Um, I, I, I did not, I have not put that forth as a suggestion, just, just to be clear. But God takes it seriously. God takes it seriously. If a man will not obey his parents, he is not going to obey when he gets out into the rest of society. God takes it seriously. John 14, 15, what did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Take, go, go into BibleGateway.com and, and search the word obey. And just see how God emphasizes obey and how much it comes up in scripture and so we're talking about obedience we're talking about submission this is a word these are words that in our society today are considered evil but they're not this is God's ordained structure go go uh, search on Bible gateway keep my commandments search submit it's all over God's word it is part of his goodness to us. Or think of how the psalmist said, talks about how he delights in the law of God. What a radical thought compared to the way that, that, that Americans live today. I delight in your law. His law is goodness to us. It protects us. And so is obedience to good leaders and submission to good leaders. All leaders are established by God. All leaders are established by God. Let's listen to his word. Well, before we go into that, um, Finn and I, what is that, Thursday night maybe? We watched uh, Master and Commander, Friday night. We watched Master and Commander. Uh, I stayed up the whole time except for like the last 10 minutes. He had to wake me up again. But, uh, and, and I saw the rest of it. Okay. So who, who's seen Master and Commander? Great movie about leadership. So it's set in the, I think, early 1800s, and it's a battle between the British and the French. They're out on a, on a, on a, a warship, and on the British ship where the movie is set, there's an officer who is just straight up a bad leader. Anytime a struggle comes, anytime a decision needs to be made, he's scared. He's running. He is indecisive. He is a bad leader. Everybody knows it. All of the subordinates under him know that they're bad leaders. They grumble. They talk, whatever. And so at one point in the movie, this officer is walking across the deck of the ship, and one of his subordinates, one of the sailors, kind of gives him a, one of these, a little, a little, little shoulder, boom. And the captain was standing at the back, and he saw it happen and called it out. Now, again, a lot of us would justify, he was a bad leader. That's what he deserved, and all his subordinates knew he was a bad leader, and that's what's going to happen. 
But look at how the captain responded. He grabbed that guy, snatched him up, and he brought him in front of everybody and tied him up. The whole ship watching and flogged him and gave him 12 lashes in front of everybody. And there was another man, uh, a friend of the captain, who was, who was asking for mercy for this young man because of the, the situation. And the captain says, we must maintain order. Order must be maintained. Guess what? The same thing happened in the Bible. Do you remember what happened in 2 Samuel 1 whenever Saul was killed? There was a young man who came up on Saul and uh, who was vulnerable. I think he was wounded. Don't quote me on that. At that time, the young man walked up and killed Saul and comes back and reports to King David. Now, keep in mind, King David has been running for Saul for years. And King David had faithfully served King Saul, had gone and accomplished incredible military defeats for King Saul. But because of Saul's jealousy of David, Saul was hunting him down and trying to kill him. So finally, Saul's dead. David's free. He doesn't have to run from Saul anymore. And so the young man comes with the good news. I've killed him. Listen to how David responds. David said to him, how is it that you are not afraid to put, to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, your blood be on your head. For your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. God takes seriously the hierarchical structure that he has established. God raises up a leader. God tears down a leader. And the reason that David was addressed the young man that way is because of the position that Saul had. It wasn't because Saul was great. It was because Saul was the king who had been established by God. And David was going to defend that position because God established it. Romans 13, 1 through 2. This has come up a lot over the last couple of years. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, let's go back to, the, to where we started. Who's at the top of the hierarchical structure? God. If any leader anywhere in the chain gives a command or an instruction, an instruction that violates God, you have every right and responsibility to obey the higher authority. So, God has established them, but I am not saying you obey them at all costs and in all situations. Daniel 2.21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. God sets up kings. God takes down kings. Psalm 75, 6-8 for not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness come lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. 
For in the hand of the Lord, there's a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours on and on. But God puts one down, lifts up another. Proverbs 20, 21, 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. The king's heart, listen to that. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Are you worried about our leaders? Are you worried about what our leaders might do to you and how they might affect your lifestyle? Are you concerned? Are you worried about Joe Biden, what decision he might make, or what if he falls off? Let me be careful. Or if Kamala Harris ends up in his position, what's going to happen? Are you worried? You need not worry. The heart of the king is turned like water in the hand of God. God can direct it any way that he wants. We don't need to fear anyone but God. He has all authority. He can do whatever he wants. So, there are bad leaders. Um, and we're given instructions about those bad leaders. Uh, Luke 20, verse 46. Again, I hope you're writing these down so you can look back at them. Jesus says, Beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. So, God has established authority. Every authority is under him. And yes, there are bad leaders. And Jesus gives us instruction. He says, beware of the scribes. Now, beware is not the same as be afraid. Beware means be aware. He's saying all leaders are not good. He's saying be careful to whom you submit. Make sure that you're looking up that hierarchical structure and that everything is in order, and that the authority that this man is dispensing is from God. Don't submit yourself under a bad leader. You still honor a bad leader, but you don't necessarily submit to a bad leader. So these scribes that Jesus was warning of didn't understand their place. They didn't understand that their authority came from God, and they existed to glorify him, they had turned it into something to glorify themselves. We need to beware today. There are bad leaders today, but we don't need to be afraid. We need to be aware. Do you guys know what Marxism is? It's all over the place. Now, first disclaimer, I am not an expert on Marxism. I had heard of it, and I've learned more over the last two years as crazy things have happened in our society, and it's caused me to read and listen more. But listen to this quote from Karl Marx. Now, this is mid-1800s. This isn't new stuff, but it's being played out today. Listen to this. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. So listen to how he is propping himself up. He says, to abolish religion as the illusory happiness, where you, you think you're happy because you're submitted to God, to free them 
and is to demand their real happiness. He goes on to say, to call on them to give up their illusion about their condition is to call on them to give up a condition that requires illusion. The criticism of religion is therefore the embryo, the criticism of that veil of tears of which religion is the halo. He has very clearly stated that his job is to free us from religion. And he believes that that is merciful. He believes that is just. And that uh, it's, he, it's virtuous. So be, be aware of these philosophies because they have crept into every area of our society. So um, BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors and fellow co-founder Alicia Garza identified themselves as trained Marxists. So one of the ways that manifests, I don't know if you guys started reading and, you know, when all the stuff was happening with riots and whatnot, and, and believe me, BLM is, is only one. I'm not picking on them, but again, be aware. Did anybody go to their website to read what they actually believed? Now, they've taken it down, but what it said was, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. They took that down because it was unpopular and they started dropping in the polls, but their philosophy has not changed. They took it down because it was unpopular. Now, let me break that down a little bit. The Western prescribed nuclear family, it's not the Western prescribed nuclear family. It's the God prescribed nuclear family. And remember the hierarchical structure. We have no right to usurp that. God has established that. Doesn't matter what you think, what you'd rather do. And then, they, then, then there's some nice words. We need to be aware, right? Beware of the scribes who go on the in, out into, in, with their long robes and, and receive accolades and praises. Beware, listen to what they say, supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds beautiful. It's, that's, that's community. But what they've done is they've replaced the family with the state. That's what they've done. Be where don't don't fall into the trap of, of of listening to flowery words so that was the past here's the current this is their in their current vision statement by achieving liberation we envision a future that is divested from police prisons and all punishment paradigms to be replaced with investment into justice joy and culture well again that sounds beautiful we're going to be free of prisons uh, police, punishment paradigms, and we're going to exchange that for justice, joy, culture. Guess what? That's a bunch of baloney. Anybody who says we're going to get rid of authority, let me, let me tell you what that means instead. We want to remove that authority, and we want to put our authority in that place. You understand? So that's what this means. They're not going to remove authority, and they're not going to remove prisons. Just beware. Think about the things that people are telling you. Now, 
don't be fooled. Don't, don't think it's just in BLM. Right here in Cabarrus County, praise God, um, Eric Echeverria, Brian Echeverria, I'm sorry, Brian Echeverria won the primary, but as he was running in the primary for the Republican seat, he was running against two, two other Republicans. One was a man married to a man, and the other was a woman who is extremely active in the LGBT community and, and, and promoting the LGBTQ plus whatever agenda. That's in the Republican House. But praise God, Brian, who is a Christian, devoted to the Lord, devoted to, to his ways, won that nomination. So I'm not taking a political side here. The only political side I'm taking is God's side. God has given clear instructions for how we are to live. So submit to leaders, but be aware that there are bad leaders to whom you should not submit. The reason they're bad leaders is very simple. They don't know their place. The young man who killed King Saul didn't understand his place. He did not have a right to kill God's king. These people who are trying to usurp God's authority and remove the family structure and replace it with something else, they don't know their place. We appeal to the higher authority. We obey what God has established. Saul was a bad leader. Saul, um, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. He was given instructions by God to go and utterly destroy Amalek. And when he said, when it was utterly destroyed, it meant kill all the men, the women, the children, and here, listen to this, the livestock. That sounds terrible. It sounds brutal. And see, that's, the, that's where we get in trouble is we start justifying these things in our, and rationalizing things in our minds where we say, but the children? But the, the livestock? Why, this, that doesn't make any sense. What did God say? And so King Saul, in his lack of wisdom, I'll say, did not obey the voice of the Lord. And instead, he kept the king alive for political purposes and decided maybe he was going to have a new buddy, King Agag. And they didn't kill all the livestock. Well, that was the end of, of Saul being blessed by God. He was cursed from that point on. But that doesn't just happen out there. So listen to how that happens in real life. We justify we, 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 our, our, our feelings are hurt. We don't, we don't like the idea of slaughtering livestock. It doesn't seem to make sense. There's a young man I know who is a member of another church who met a young lady and fell in love and decided that he needed to move in with her. He got caught in adultery, in an adulterous relationship with, with this girl. That church has called him to repent. They didn't just kick him out. They called him to repent. Brother, you are in sin. Turn from your sin. Follow the Lord. And he's refused. 
and he's now under church discipline, and he is likely going to be excommunicated from the church. That's a painful thing. It doesn't feel good. And here's what makes it worse. They have relocated to her church where they're fine with it. They're not saying anything. So what do our emotions tell us in a situation like that? Oh, good. They're in church. Good. That feels so much better. He's not going to be separated. And, and on the other side, he's separated from these friends, from family, etc. But we have to obey God. God's word is very clear that we confront sin, that we call those in sin to repent. And there's a process that we, I won't go into it in Matthew 18, that eventually, when someone doesn't repent, Jesus himself said, Remove the wicked man from your midst. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So we have to be very careful to look, to put things in order in the hierarchical structure. The authority that we have, going back to that church that has received this young couple in their sin and has chosen not to confront it, those elders and pastors have no right to excuse that. They are under the responsibility given to them by God to confront that sin and to call it out, and if they will not repent, to remove them from the church. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. But you know what? There's only one power unto salvation. It's the gospel. It's the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we sugarcoat it and we and we water it down, and we allow a little bit of leaven, it's not the gospel anymore. And everything but the gospel leads to death. And so it is the most merciful thing for a leader to call things what they are and to lovingly correct. Saul didn't know his place. And so he lost his, he lost his crown. Here's another one, bad leaders, Acts 4, 5. You know the story. This was Peter and John. They had been arrested because they were preaching Jesus. On the next day, their rulers and their elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas. So this, we've got Annas, the high priest. We've got Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, who were of the high priestly family. These were the rulers of the day. And so they called Peter and John in, and they charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Guess what? They didn't know their place. They have no right to, to prevent them from speaking the name of Jesus. But praise God, he gives good leaders as well. And so when we go just to the very next verse in Acts, we see good leaders. Acts 4, 19, but Peter and John answered them, hey, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter and John knew their place. They knew that their responsibility of obedience and submission was to God himself. They are witnesses of, of Jesus Christ. More good leaders. 
Jesus, John 6, 15. After feeding the 5,000, perceiving that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. How about that for crazy? They wanted to make him king, and Jesus said no. Do you know why? Because Jesus knew his place. It wasn't appropriate for Jesus to take an earthly position of, of king. He knew his place. John 5, 19, the best leader, Jesus again, he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So what does Jesus do? He submits to the Father. Jesus, the greatest example of a leader that has ever existed on the planet, submits to the Father. He's our example. John 6.38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 14.31, but I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. John 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you think Jesus cares about the proper structure of leadership and authority and submission? Absolutely. Even to the point in Matthew 26, 39, going on a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The perfect example of submission and leadership to the point of death, I will obey the Father. And that is our responsibility. Each of us have leadership influence. Each of us lead in some way. And we need to be mindful. We need to be aware. Now, the reason this idea of submission and authority is so important is that the gospel is encapsulated in it. Because if until we submit, until we bend our knee, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And until we will properly submit to the Father and to Jesus Christ, the gospel is not available to us. It's only within the structure that God has given us with God at the top. So, again, if we look at our verses, it says, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls. So, that seems simple. Obey, submit. Um, let me give you just a couple of maybe practical ways that you can obey and submit. Patiently submit. For they're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. So we, as your elders at Convergence, I want you to know we are prayerfully considering decisions that have to be made. First of all, under submission of God, and then for the, for the best interest of the church at large. So prayerfully, patiently submit. Secondly, offer your time, talent, and treasure 
Each should contribute his gifts to the body. So as you submit, part of that submission is taking what you have and bringing it. Just as in Acts, it said they, they brought what they had to the storehouse. Bring what you have to give. And thirdly, submit when things are difficult or uncomfortable. That's when it gets hard, right? Um, I think uh, Pastor Carl said last week that um, comfortable doesn't mean right. It was something like that. I'm, I, I need to go back and, and watch the, the live stream again. But growth rarely happens without pain or discomfort. So as your elders, we work to do what's best for Convergence and its members. But spiritual health and spiritual growth often comes with discomfort. So submit when things are difficult or uncomfortable. Continuing in the passage, Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> Again, I have the dubious honor as the one elder here to, to talk to you guys about how to follow us. Um, how to, to do this with joy, right? L listen to the message. Listen what the message says. I don't, I don't often quote, quote the message, but it says, contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? Like, these are the writer's instructions. So again, these are, please understand, these are not my ideas. I don't understand all of this. I don't even understand all of how to, how to do this, how to execute all of these things. But this is the word of God, and the writer, after he's just explained how Jesus is better, is giving final thoughts about how then you should live. This is what he says. Let them do it with joy, not with groaning, that, that, for that would be of no advantage to you. Um, so let's think about how you can do that. I had a couple of ideas. First um, Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Paul, I think, gives some pretty good commentary in that section about, about how to do that. But let me give you a few things that I didn't, I didn't uh, ask for feedback from Pastor Brian or Pastor Carl, so I'm just giving you my perspective. Here's some things that give me joy as I lead. Grow. There is, there is not much more that gives me pleasure as a leader than to see people growing and thriving, spiritually healthy. It is the leader's responsibility to create structure and give care over your souls, but you have the responsibility of nurturing your own spiritual life. So it's, it's sort of like a coach-player relationship, right? The, the coach can tell the players what to do, but the players have to go out and run the play. They have to execute. So, grow. Here's another, uh, another suggestion from that passage from 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. Follow their example. Now, by no means am I telling you that I'm the perfect example. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But we were I started out by illustrating for us good leaders and bad leaders. And you're going to see some good leadership in me, and you're going to see some bad leadership in me. 
and the same thing with the, any leader that you, that you have. But follow their example in the, in the good things that you see, in the good leadership that you see. Next, third, work hard to serve others. Come alongside the leaders to serve others. Listen to this. Let the one in need today be generous tomorrow. Serve others. So come outside of your own situation. Follow the example of leaders who lead well. How does he serve? How does he meet needs? And so then what I want to be saying is, as my need is being met today, how then can it push me into growth and maturity so that I can now go be generous and meet others' needs later? Next, do physical work. There's a lot of work that has to be done. Um, and uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Pastor Carl last week uh, came up with the idea of, of the coffee station back here and thought, man, you know what, that'd just be great for fellowship. You know, one of the things that we got feedback on with the survey is people would like more fellowship before the service. And, he, and I think he was right. That's a great thing. But listen, to, what, if we, what if we take the, the, the passage that we're reading and we say, um, let them do this with joy, not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And we think about the role of an elder that's prescribed in Acts. Uh, the reason deacons were established was because the elders didn't need to be taken away from the word and from prayer and spiritual leadership. They said, well, why, why should we stop doing that to go serve tables? So guess what Pastor Carl did last week? He served tables. Now, I'm not saying he was wrong in that, but, what I, but that's just an example of, and, and Adele, thank you because you stepped up this morning and said, hey, let me, let me help with that. But there's still more. She can't do it by herself. And so, and so what I'm saying to you is that it is of less advantage to you for Pastor Carl to be spending his time getting coffee ready and tables in the morning instead of examining and listening and what are the spiritual needs of the church and the people here? Let me, let me, let me pay attention and attend to those. We want him to be free of that responsibility. So do physical work because it's of less advantage to you for, the, for your elders to be doing the physical work. And I'm going to go back to bring your time, talent, treasure. Bring what you have. Give more than you take. Leave it better than you found it. You've heard all of those things, right? So have that attitude whenever you come into the gathering, whether it's missional community, whether it's the service here. And by the way, speaking of missional community, those missional community leaders fall into this category of those who deserve honor and that who should be submitted to who should be obeyed and so so think about that in the way that you interact with your missional community leader uh, give honor to those who lead well I'm going to go back to that that passage again it says give double honor to those elders who lead well especially those who preach and teach I've heard that said I've heard it said that that's money that double that double honor is referring to some type of a financial compensation. I've not studied that. I've heard that. And so as I, as I bring this word to you, honor, and in fact, double honor, I'm just going to say I don't exactly know how to do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you 
how to honor me. What I'm going to tell you is the Bible says that there's a certain type of honor that should be given to those who lead well, especially those who preach and teach. And so our minds need to work on that. And so we need to think about how do we give honor to that position. And one way is something as simple as taking away coffee responsibilities to say, brother, we need you over here. Like, please let me do that for you. That, that, and, and what you're doing, in fact, is giving honor to that role. Um, I, I believe one of the things that le- we can see many things in society, but I think one of the things that led to the women's liberation movement is that women and mothers, wives, were not being honored properly in their roles. And then it got twisted into this whole other thing, but I think it was largely because, it, because that, that, the honor wasn't being properly given to mothers and wives. And lastly, we see the writer asking for prayer. Verse 18, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you, therefore, more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. This, he was asking them to pray for him at that time, but you know what? I covet your prayers. Your leaders need your prayers whether it's in the church, with children, your parents need your prayers. Church, our political leaders need our prayers. Let's pray for those leaders. Let's honor, let's obey and submit to them by praying for them. And so again, turning back to the gospel, Jesus is the one who deserves the greatest honor. Jesus is the one who we at all times obey and submit because he's always a good leader. He always stays in line with the perfect hierarchical structure and when does the will of the Father. And so I want to challenge you today, if you struggle with submitting and obeying authority, ask the question first, have I obeyed and submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ? You'll find it very difficult to submit to worldly, imperfect leaders if you haven't submitted to and obeyed the perfect, eternal leader, Jesus Christ himself. And so we're going to turn towards the Lord's Supper. At this time, again, I want to, I want to ask us to examine ourselves. Uh, Paul wrote that there were many who were bringing sickness on themselves. He said, uh, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let each person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And he says, that's why many of you are weak and ill. And some have died. But, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So let us examine ourselves.
We're going to pause for about 30 seconds and just uh, during that time, if you would just bow your head, if you, if you feel led to kneel down there, that's fine. Ask the Lord to reveal any sin, to search your heart. Oh, Father, we do confess to you that we are imperfect in our submission and obedience. God, would you give us strength? Would you give us perseverance that in all things we would obey you? Lord, would you help us to understand the way that you have established authority? God, would you give us the blessing of aligning ourselves within that? God, if, if there's anyone here that is struggling to submit to the structure that you have created, oh Lord, I ask that you would free them of that today. Lord, if there's any here who has not submitted to you, has not given you the glory and the honor that you are due. Oh, Lord, I ask that you would free them. I ask that you would draw them to yourself according to your good pleasure and for your glory, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. So before we move on, I just, I want to I invite, I want to, does, does anyone have a confession or do you have a question was there anything I said that you thought was contrary to God's word or was there just something you have a question about I just want to open that up don't be afraid again about the, the struggle to find to follow someone that you're, that you have a hard time respecting as, as a leader. And I, and I want to take that point and exhort leaders because we are all leaders. Unless you're Finney. He, Finney's not a leader, right? But you, you, we all quickly become leaders. And so consider those that you lead and how um, are, are you a person who is easy to follow. So one thing we talked about is good and bad leaders, right? That, that, that's a reality. There are good and bad leaders. And, and predominantly what we were talking about is a righteous or an unrighteous leader. But that's not, that's not all there is to it. And so I want to exhort us as leaders too to consider how you affect the person under you and lead well, lead well. Well, hang on, we got one. For me, I don't need prayer. You need prayer, Jade. <laughs> As your MC leader, I'm saying you need some yes, prayer, Jade. Yes, thank you. I can. He he knows a lot of how to pray for me, actually. Um, but. Uh, Golly, there's so many things. You know, it's amazing that at 46 years old, most of you know kind of my situation, but it's amazing how many question marks there are in, in my life at, at this stage that I would have never dreamed. And so I just have a deep desire to 
live in the enjoyment and the abundant life that, that Christ has provided um, along with uh, a deep desire to steward everything that I have very well. And, and, and I can find myself a lot of times trying to do both of those things in my own strength and trying to kind of figure it out and, uh, and, and, and can make myself pretty miserable doing, doing that. So, uh, so I would say that would be one of the primary ways that you could pray for me. Let's pray. Lord, we just um, thank you. Lord, we thank you for Jade one of the founders of this church in many ways has laid down his life to love people to empower them to lead Lord I just pray um, that Jay would operate by the spirit Lord in all that he does in all his relationships in all his resources and you just leave the rest up to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, Jade doesn't have to know everything in order to be faithful to you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. All right. Um, and, and a couple have expressed, too, just a desire to um, to follow better. Could, would you pray pray for them? All right, so Alexa and Adele just say, saying, hey, we, we want to we follow all of the leaders that God has, has put over me. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. So now let's stand up. And uh, as you have examined yourself, if you are in a right place with the Lord, if you're in right standing with Him, I'll invite you to come to the table for the Lord's Supper. I'll be right over here if you